I was reading a sobering stat from the UN Refugee Agency today. They now predict that more than 8 million people will flee the war in Ukraine this year alone. That's double what they were estimating in early March. 8 million people. Of course, Canada has a large Ukrainian diaspora, lots of people hoping to come here. Um, the Canadian government has set up what is essentially an unlimited uh, number of people can come briefly or temporarily um, for a few years here and set up. Uh, and they've set up a whole system for it. When I was walking through the airport the other day, I was pleasantly surprised to see coming out of Vancouver's airport, uh, two people sitting there, Red Cross people, welcoming people from Ukraine. They didn't happen to be any on my plane, as far as I could tell. Uh, but it was certainly nice to see that all those services that are that were needed are so desperately needed to welcome people coming from Ukraine or coming from bordering countries that where they've first gone to, coming to Canada, that some of those things are now in place slowly but surely. Because early on, there were, of course, some complaints that the infrastructure just wasn't there yet to begin welcoming people. Um, about 60,000 people so far have been approved through the Emergency Travel Initiative launched last month to help people resettle uh, after many fled to Europe to escape Russia's war. Again, they've been arriving at uh, Toronto and Edmonton International Airport since April 1st and in Vancouver since April 8th. Um, the immigration minister said most of the applicants are now in Warsaw or Berlin. They may come here temporarily. They will have access to stuff like language training and childcare, help finding a job and so on. But we still hear complaints now about long times getting appointments to submit biometric information, or at least to give biometric information that's needed. Uh, they still need visas to come. That was something that wasn't gotten rid of, uh, despite some questions. So how is the system adapting, and how is Canada preparing to welcome more people? How will they get here? Joining me now is Sean Fraser, the Federal Minister for Immigration and the Member of Parliament for Central Nova. Thank you so much for your time tonight. Ben, it's a pleasure to be with you. Thank you for having me. We saw some staggering numbers today from the UN Refugee Agency. 8.3 million people, they believe, now are going to leave Ukraine this year. That's up from about half that back in early March that they had predicted. Um, certainly, you have a better idea of how many people you think might be coming to Canada. How is that working so far? How have you been able to adapt to trying to meet the demand for those who want to come to this country? Um, look, thanks very much for the question. And, and this is uh, a, a really encouraging uh, a point about the, the Canadian program that we've developed uh, we realized early on, back in mid-January, there could be a potentially significant number of people coming to Canada. Uh, my first reaction was to determine whether Canada could stand up a, a traditional refugee resettlement initiative. Uh, and it quickly became clear that when you're dealing with uh, tens of thousands of people or more, that's the kind of thing that would have required us to bring people in over the course of several years. Uh, we quickly looked at what programs we had on the shelf that had the horsepower to deal with uh, enormous volumes of people. And, and we realized that our, our visitors regime, uh, the way we bring in tourists, students, uh, workers, that has the capacity to process a couple million people a year. Uh, what we ended up doing was using the mechanics of that system and paring away a lot of the administrative requirements that usually lead to a person's refusal to come into Canada so we could process as many people as quickly as possible. Uh, the early signs are that it's working. Uh, the new system, though it was officially opened on March 17th, and of course we were processing people in advance of that date on an expedited basis, uh, but that uh, process that launched in mid-March had a two-week uh, processing period. So the first arrivals we started, or, or approvals rather, we started seeing uh, really came in at the very end of March, very beginning of April. Since that time, we're in the ballpark of 60,000 people who've been approved, and we're dealing with 
essentially the last uh, three and a half, four weeks. Uh, to be able to handle that kind of capacity gives me faith that the system is working quite well. Uh, of course, we have to continue to pivot our strategy on the ground in Europe to make sure the personnel, the equipment for our security screening process is in place where the applicants are. And we continue to monitor migration flows so we can ensure we have the uh, people in place and the resources in place to process large numbers. And uh, we're seeing a, a huge rate of approval uh, and huge numbers are coming through now with over um, uh, 90 percent of the applications are, are being processed within that two-week processing time uh, and that's a really encouraging sign that the system's holding up very well because i understand at the beginning one of the big issues was it was hard to track where everyone was going to be because people had found out all over all across europe some that we had spoken to were in berlin others were in paris others ended up in the uk um, so getting the biometrics would be tough if you didn't have that surge capacity in each of those areas that's right. One of the advantages that we have uh, to respond to this particular crisis is that we don't have a shortage of visa application centers across Europe. And we had on hand mobile biometrics kits that we could actually move to different locations and continue to have the capacity to move. Uh, when we realized what was happening in mid-January, we actually started moving those, uh, both the teams of people and the biometrics kits uh, across where we anticipated to, to uh, we would see locations with large numbers of people applying. Um, that strategy has helped, and I don't mean to suggest it's, it's um, uh, perfect. You're obviously, obviously going to have some sort of uh, uh, chaotic experience when you're dealing with millions of people who fled a country to, uh, to the west of Ukraine in, in a matter of weeks. Uh, but having that flexibility and that early planning is really paying dividends. Uh, but to your point, I, I was very surprised when I realized the second busiest location for applications to come to Canada was Berlin. Uh, it's not right uh, adjacent to the, uh, the western border of Ukraine, uh, but we've been able to pivot by uh, making a decision to open a second uh, larger location in Berlin, as well as Warsaw, to deal with this swell in applications that we've seen. So we're going to continue to remain nimble and flexible and, and to make whatever adjustments we need to process people as quickly as possible. When it comes to getting them here, I know there's been talk of charter flights. Uh, I know you were doing a survey to try and figure out where people might be, how you might arrange them, because of course, if people are fanned out, it's difficult to get them all to one place at one time to put them on a plane. And you've also started a new program as well to uh, allow Canadians and others to donate air mile points to help uh, people get over here. I, I, how are those all working and when, when might we see a charter flight, if at all? Uh, so we will see chartered flights, I can uh, reassure you of that. And I do want to communicate as well that while we've been setting up some of these uh, government-led or uh, government partnership uh, type programs, uh, there are people arriving in Canada. We've got uh, nearly 20,000 people have arrived since the beginning of the year. And uh, I want to reassure Canadians that some of the people who have been approved are already here and continue to come. Uh, we did make a decision to uh, stand up uh, chartered flights to bring people here. And that's going to be helpful in certain locations where we do see large numbers of people who've been approved and want to remain in, in a particular location. Uh, to your point, though, we see an enormous volume of people who don't necessarily have a place to stay in Warsaw or Vienna or Bucharest or wherever they first uh, arrived, and they continue to travel wherever they can find a safe place to lay their head. Uh, we have launched that survey that you mentioned, and we're seeing a significant majority of people have intention to come to Canada over the next few months. We're just uh, finalizing our analysis of the data to figure out where they're coming from. And this is where the real strength of that partnership with Air Canada and the Shapiro Foundation is going to pay dividends. When you realize people may be spread across Europe, it's hard to arrange charter flights that would stop in every community along the way. It wouldn't make sense. It would be very, a very inefficient way to do it. Uh, by having this capacity 
to use the private donations from Air Canada and the Shapiro Foundation and from Canadians writ large. We're going to uh, have uh, cost-free flights for at least 10,000 Ukrainians, and they can be booked at whichever airport is closest to where one of the people who've been approved to come happen to find themselves. Uh, this kind of innovation and flexibility in real time is what's allowing us to respond quickly and allowing us to get more people here. And to your question about when people should expect to see them, uh, I anticipate over the next number of weeks, you're going to see uh, Ukrainians arriving through these uh, the mix of these different programs when it comes to uh, to some of the support on the ground i realize a lot of this is provincial whether it's healthcare or education uh, but how much progress have you made because early on there were clearly complaints from different groups about a lack of clarity about what kind of services and what kind of supports would be offered to uh, to ukrainians arriving in this country have you managed to i know bc has just announced uh, healthcare. Uh, have you managed to work that out is, or is that still a slow process uh, it's going actually very well from my perspective. Uh, there are cer still certain details that will will take a little bit of time in certain provinces to sort out. And some of them, to, to be clear, are, are not necessarily details for the federal government to work out. But I should give a, a huge thank you uh, to our provincial and territorial partners. There has not been a single exception. Uh, every single one of them, regardless of region or partisan stripe, has indicated that they want to do their part to help. And I think that's been a really refreshing Team Canada approach that we've seen here. Um, for our part, and I think it's important as well to highlight with an ordinary refugee resettlement program uh, that takes place over many years, uh, there are prearranged programs that are designed to support people and make sure they have access to the services they need. We've invented something entirely new as a result of this response, and that's a temporary protection model for people who are in need of safe haven that have an intention to return home after the crisis has come to an end. Um, because this is a new set of facts and a new kind of program, we have to sort details out in real time, not several years after a conflict has broken out, as is the case with most refugee resettlements that happen, uh, initiatives that happen uh, around the world and over the course of Canada's history. So we made a decision to step up our game when it came to extending settlement supports. It's typically reserved for permanent residents to make sure that these uh, visitors, if I can use an imprecise term, uh, to Canada who are in need of protection for humanitarian reasons uh, still have access to language training, to the supports that these groups uh, provide. In some instances, it's childcare, in other instances, it's those soft supports, teaching your family how to ride the bus or to sign up for a bank account. We also uh, set up reception services at airports across Canada, Vancouver, Edmonton, Toronto, with the ability to scale that to other locations as well. And Quebec is doing something uh, independently in Montreal. Uh, we also made the decision to extend six weeks of income support to make sure that a person has some basic access to the necessities when they first arrive, as well as temporary accommodations for the two, first two weeks of a person's stay. Uh, provinces and territories at different paces have stepped up with services around education, around uh, health, around childcare. Uh, and normally when a person comes in on an open work permit, which we've attached to, the, to this um, program as well, uh, once they've been working for a period of time, they have access to some of these services in any event. Uh, so we continue to have conversations with our, our counterparts in the nonprofit sector, in the settlement sector, in the provincial and territorial levels of government uh, to make sure that people have access not just to the ability to get to Canada, but to the services that they need to do well once they arrive. Where if you look at it, and I know because I've spoken to a lot of people who have their individual experiences, and individual experiences always vary, but where have, where have where's been the real success point for you? And what is what should people out there know where the growing pains still are? Because you've essentially had to invent this from scratch to some extent. 
Yeah, so uh, let, let me deal with the challenges first. Uh, the, the challenges uh, are driven not by uh, government processes or administrative burdens, in, in my experience. They're driven by the chaos that is attached to uh, a war that sends millions of people fleeing from their homeland in a very short period of time. Uh, when I spoke to the um, uh, High Commissioner for UNHCR, who was in Ottawa with me a few weeks ago, uh, he described the scene on the ground as, as a river of people who were flowing through uh, the landscape, uh, leaving Ukraine. Uh, when you have literally millions of people who arrive largely in a few key locations at uh, points of entry on the western border of Ukraine uh, to neighboring countries, you're going to have a chaotic situation. Uh, in the early days, uh, getting set up and explaining to people how they can access a Canadian program, how they can find their way to the location of biometrics units was an enormous challenge. Uh, but we're finding though, uh, as uh, a little bit of time passes, we're able to both ramp up our capacity to process more people, and we're also able to get uh, information uh, to people in a, a clearer and more efficient way. Uh, what I'm hearing right now is that uh, the people who are trying to come to Canada and access our programs are having an easier time than they were a few weeks ago. That's because we continue to reprofile resources to the locations where the resources are needed. I'm not somebody who's going to sit in Ottawa with my um, my door closed and my ears shut and not listen to what's the challenges that are happening on the ground. Uh, I find when you actually talk to people who are living and breathing the experience, who've been to the region, uh, who are making applications, you can learn where your bottlenecks are and you can get rid of them. Uh, that's the strategy that we've taken from day one is identify challenges, respond to those challenges and, and uh, uh, solve those challenges. And by opening new biometrics facilities, by um, uh, reprofiling people and equipment to different locations, and by reaching out to groups to establish partnerships to support people when they arrive, uh, we're seeing a record level of processing in a very short period of time. And I'm really pleased to see that our, our capacity is held up, notwithstanding the uh, unprecedented volume of people we're seeing uh, apply to the system in, in such a short period of time. If you're just tuning in, I'm talking to Sean Fraser, the Federal Minister of Immigration and Member of Parliament for Central Nova. When we come back, a question a bit about some of the other knock-on effects to other programs, other people waiting to come to Canada, and some of the issues we're seeing there. That's it. I'm back with Sean Fraser, the Federal Minister for Immigration and Member of Parliament for Central Nova. He's speaking to us tonight from Ottawa. We've been talking about all the places, all the plans in place to bring Ukrainian uh, Ukrainians fleeing the war there to this country. Uh, nearly 60,000 applicants so far. Uh, and uh, Minister Fraser was saying that a vast majority of them do, in fact, plan to come to this country. That wasn't always entirely clear how many of them were going to stay in Europe or how many of them might come here. But uh, about 70% or more or less, maybe, uh, might be planning to come this way. And there's obviously logistics and getting them here. Here, making sure they're processed properly. Uh, Minister French, I want to ask you a bit about, I mean, we've seen um, a, a sort of a rekindling of, of, of anger within the Afghan interpreter community about uh, some challenges trying to bring their families over. And I've spoken to them. I've been there. I've been to that part of the world. I understand how challenging it is to try to make sure people have the proper documents, the proper exit visas and so forth. Have you made any progress in the last few weeks since we saw the last round uh, of protests from, uh, from the families of the, uh, of the, inter from the interpreters themselves? Uh, yeah, and I, I'm encouraged by some of the progress I'm seeing, but uh, let, let me just reiterate that the circumstances on the ground are extremely challenging. And, and I also want to say thank you to the uh, previously resettled interpreters who are trying desperately to bring their families here. I've had the opportunity to have another conversation with them recently. Uh, th these are good people. These are good people who served Canada, who want nothing more than to be reunited with 
service. And we actually established a specific program to bring the extended families of these previously resettled interpreters because we want to reunite them with their families. We have run into some of the challenges that you've mentioned about getting access to travel documents, not just in uh, Afghanistan, which is obviously challenging with the, the Taliban having seized control, uh, but also for those who've made their way to, to Pakistan, uh, when there are challenges with uh, things like uh, uh, exit visas that differ, uh, the requirements for which differ based on how you enter the country, when you enter the country, uh, and what mode of transportation in some instances you use to enter the country. Uh, whatever challenges there are, we're going to continue to do what we can to eliminate them. Uh, I do want to share that we're seeing a little bit of progress progress with more uh, applications being advanced, no, no landings uh, in Canada yet. But when I start to see the application process move for these family members, it's a really, really encouraging thing for me. We've now seen uh, more than 200 of the, uh, the family members have passed both the eligibility and security checks uh, and are well advanced in their application at this stage. And another 150 who are now through the eligibility phase. Uh, we expect at the end of this, uh, there could be uh, in the range of 5,000 extended family members who will be reunited uh, with the hundreds of interpreters who were resettled back in 2009 and 2012. Uh, it, this issue has my full attention. They meet with our office. Uh, virtually every week and uh, have had a couple of meetings with me and I, I've invited further conversation to make sure they know that regardless of the level of challenges, uh, this is on my radar as a top priority and I'm not going to stop until we're able to bring this. Sean Fraser, thank you so much for your time tonight. Much appreciated. A pleasure as always. Thank you so much, Ben, for having me.